If you are a fan of the great comedy teams on film, you know that music. It's how they start Three Stooges films. I used to watch The Stooges on television every day after we got out of elementary school, and I have been hooked ever since. Even though I know most of the lines in the short films, I still watch them, and I still laugh. I've been a proud member of the Three Stooges fan club for more than 40 years. The president of the fan club and editor-in-chief of the outstanding Three Stooges journal is Gary Lassen. Gary has now written a book about the Stooges called A Tour de Farce. Gary, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> hello. I don't usually do impersonations, but I guess that, that music intro was just so inspiring, I couldn't help myself. I, I couldn't think of a better way to start the segment. Because Certainly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about the Three Stooges because I've, I've loved them my whole life. And... Um, they're just fun to talk about, and, and they just lift your spirits when you watch them. So here's my first question to you. The Three Stooges started about 100 years ago, and they are still very popular. Why do you think that is? Uh, I can't answer for everyone, and there's certainly lots and lots of fans out there, so everybody's got a different reason and different theory on why they're still popular. Um, I've heard a whole bunch of them, like they get away with things that you would like to do and things like that. I, my theory is that they make you feel smart. My theory is they make you feel smart uh, because there's nobody dumber than them. Uh -huh. uh, you see them doing their stuff and the stupid things that they do. Um, it makes you feel good. It's sort of like when people watch Wheel of Fortune and they can figure out the puzzle at home before the contestants. Right. You know, it makes you feel good. And that's the reason the show's been on for so long, because everyone at home knows the answer, but the, the, the people on the show don't. And so it makes you feel good. And I think that's, that's for me, is, is the answer. But everybody um, uh, likes different things. Some people love the slapstick or the, the verbal humor, uh, the interplay between the different stooges. Uh, uh, it's really some of the film, the special effects, you know, the cheesy special effects are just really funny now when you watch compared to the kind of special effects we have today. Um, every, everybody finds something, different strokes for different folks. Everybody finds something uh, different about them. It's funny. Well, following up on what you said, one of the things I love about the Stooges is they bring everyone down to their level, whether they be doctors, lawyers, the military, high society, snobs. Is that part of their appeal, you think? Yeah, they were an equal opportunity offender, I guess you could call them. Um, <laughs> uh, no sensibilities were left, uh, you know, alone. And um, I think that's another part of the uh, reason that people like them, for sure, that the uh, boss versus worker type theme and the, uh, you know, the uh, blue collar versus white collar. Uh, those kind of themes uh, play, play really well, uh, you know. For decades, and uh, one thing I do notice when I when I'm in my theater at the Stugium, the museum that I built, uh, there can be three generations of fans. I've got a grandfather, a father, and son sitting there, all laughing at the same thing. And I'm really hard pressed to think of any other TV show or movie where you could have three generations of, of people laughing, you know, belly laughing uh, to the same humor. And um, it, you know, I think it's a real tribute to the Stooges. You're right. Uh, my son is a big Stooges fan, and I'm sure when he has children, he'll pass that along. It's, you know, we don't have a lot of shared interests, but the Stooges we do, and I, I'm very proud for passing that along.
to my son and well, even you, my you, wife. You did, your, to them. you did your job. Yes. I, so, you fulfilled my, your my proudest moment as a father. Um, now I have to, as long as he knows as long as he knows how to block an eye poke. That's the, that's the main thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I happen to think that Curly was a comic genius. Maybe the greatest comic genius of all time, or, or certainly right up there with Robin Williams. What he does on screen with his mannerisms and voices, you cannot teach. However, I don't think Curly has received the acclaim that he deserves because many people look down upon the Stooges and think, well, he can't be one of the greats because he was a th one of the three Stooges. Do, do you agree with my take on Curly? Um, well, Stooges fans will disagree because they think he's the greatest, you know, like, like you said. Um, the Stooges get a little bit of disrespect in the film community because um, they're considered lowbrow. And uh, they did short subject films, which were never considered, you know, as classy as a feature film. They were never given the respect that the feature film performers were given. So uh, as compared to some of the other comedy teams like the Marx Brothers and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Abbott and Costello, the made feature films, the Stooges were mired in shorts and got, generally speaking, less respect. Uh, Curly also had a pretty brief career, truthfully. It was, you know, his career only lasted about 10, 12 years. Um, uh, the genius part, you know, it's, it's easy to throw the term around, but uh, the thing that makes him genius is that he was untrained. He was uh, a completely untrained talent. He had no prior acting experience or no, no stand-up comedy experience and anything like that. Uh, you know, people like Robin Williams and other comics typically for years uh, hone their act in, you know, improv clubs and little nightclubs and things like that that work on their act. Curly just came out of nowhere. He just wanted to be in the act, and he had no training whatsoever. And to me, that's really what makes him, uh, sets him apart from, from the other comics. I agree. And he kind of joined the act by accident, right? Because people don't realize that Shemp was the third stooge before Curly, and then Shemp came back after Curly became ill. But when Shemp left, they were kind of stuck, like, who's going to be the third stooge? And here came Curly. Yeah. Yeah, well, Stooge fans all know this, but for those who are not fans, uh, there were three brothers, Moe, uh, Curly, and Shemp. And originally, Moe and Shemp were the two brothers in the act, along with Larry Fine. And like you said, when Shemp decided to go pursue a solo career, they needed a replacement, and that's when Curly Howard, their younger brother, came into the act. Uh, he stayed till he suffered a stroke about 10, 12 years later, and then Shemp came back. Gary, I'm a, I'm a little envious of this because you actually married into the Three Stooges family. Can you, Certainly. Can, can you, elaborate, on, can you elaborate on that? I, was, uh, well, when I was a graduate student, I started dating this girl who, um, she led me to believe she was related to somebody famous, but she, she wouldn't tell me who it was. It was like she was embarrassed to, to you know, who it was. And uh, her last name was Solomon, and I, I couldn't think of any famous Solomon. So I, I figured she must be related to somebody who was not very cool, you know, Lawrence Welk or, I don't know, so, somebody... So she finally spilled the beans that she was related to Larry Fine of the Stooges. Well, I had always been, you know, always been a Stooge fan uh, since childhood, and uh, once I found this out, I, I knew I had to figure out a way to marry this girl. And uh, you know, I, I met a lot of girls that were smart and beautiful, whatever. But when was I ever going to meet another girl that was related to the Stooges? So um, that's basically what happened. We got married, and uh, the way she is related is that her grandfather and Larry Fine were brothers. Her grandfather, Morris Feinberg was related to Larry, whose real name was Feinberg. He changed it to Fine. Um, unfortunately, when I started dating her, Larry Fine had already passed away. 
But her grandfather, Morris, and get this, his nickname was Mo. His nickname was Mo. So Larry, Larry Fine had two Mo's in his life. He had Mo Howard in his life, and he had his brother, Mo Feinberg. Um, but Mo Feinberg, he looked sort of like Larry Fine, and he sounded like, you know, Larry had that very distinctive voice. He had that kind of gravelly Philadelphia-sounding voice. It's very hard to replicate, but his brother Mo sounded just like him. And Mo was left-handed, just like Larry. And he did a little soft shoot dance, just like Larry. He told jokes in a Yiddish accent. Um, it was almost like having Larry there, hearing his stories about the old vaudeville days and you know, traveling by train with the steamer trunks and all the stories he would tell about the old days. Uh, unfortunately, he only lived for about uh, four or five years after we got married. He passed away in 1986. So, uh, but I tried to soak up as much from him as I could. And um, he had some great stories to tell, for sure. Gary, uh, I'm loving this. We have to take a break now. When we come back, I want to talk about your museum, and I want to talk about your book. So we will do this. Our guest is Gary Lassen, president of the Three Stooges Fan Club. More with Gary right after this. Hey. What's the idea of spoiling the game? I was for onesies. Well, here's twos. Oh, oh, he was a onesie. You get him to... Here's uh, fivesies. That is from the Great Stooges short film, Disorder in the Court. This is Jim Shaw, your guest host. And our guest right now is Gary Lassen, who is president of the Three Stooges fan club. Gary does many things related to the Three Stooges. Many people, Gary, are unaware that there is a museum all about the Three Stooges. It's called the Stoogeum. You referred to it a little bit earlier. Uh, it's located in the Philadelphia area, and you run it. Gary, can you please yeah, tell, us that's what happens the, when it, tell us about the Stoogeum? Uh, it's what happens when a chip goes loose in somebody's brain. <laughs> um, basically, the story is that I was collecting memorabilia for many years. After I met Mo Feinberg and married my wife and started getting into the Stooges, I started collecting Stooges as a hobby. And I found that it was much more interesting than baseball cards, which were incredibly boring. Um, with baseball cards, they were all the same size. They were all made by the same company. And all the cards were either a guy with a bat or a guy throwing a ball. So it was pretty boring. Uh, I started collecting Stooges stuff, and I found, wow, there's all kinds of different things. There's records, there's comic books, there's posters, there's you know, toys and games and novelties and you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, so I started collecting it in earnest. It wasn't easy to find. You had to work a little bit to find it. Um, but it was out there, and so I started collecting and collecting and collecting, and stuff was winding up in boxes and drawers and cabinets and binders, and I had so much stuff that I didn't have enough wall space to really put it out. Um, and this sort of continued for many years um, until around 2000. And at that point, my wife uh, got ill. My wife was facing a life-threatening situation. Everything turned out fine. She's fine now. Um but at the time, I was thinking, you know, what if my number had been called? What would I really regret not having done? And I knew what I had to do. I, I had to make a, I had to put my stuff in a museum. Uh, and at that point, I started in earnest uh, working with a museum design firm. And around 2004, uh, the building was finished, and I was searching for a name, and I couldn't think of one. And you know, Stooge Way to Heaven, and no, 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 uh, a fine shrine, no, no, no. Uh, let's say it's a Stooges Museum. So I put the word Stooges and Museum together, and it became the Stooges. Stooges Museum just became Stooges, and that's what I named it. 
And how is it going? That's the story. At, that's... How, how is it going at the Stoogeum? Do you get a lot of pe- people there who are interested in all these Stooges artifacts? Certainly. <laughs> um, yeah, we get a pretty, you know, I don't do a lot of advertising, but we get a fair amount of visitors from all over the country, basically by word of mouth, because uh, fans live all over the country. They're, they know about the, uh, about the museum from the fan club and other things that I've done, and uh, they tell their friends. And uh, people who like the Stooges seem to know other people who like them. Everybody knows, you know, well, my plumber really likes the Stooges, or my brother-in-law, oh, yeah, he really likes them. Uh, and they would turn them on to the Stoogeum's information and the website and everything. And um, it's sort of like snowball. So it's a lot of word of mouth visitors. Excellent. Uh, I want to ask you about the book. I'm not sure we'll have enough time for you to fully answer the question before we hit our next break. But then we'll come back to talking about this. But at any rate, you have a new book out about the Stooges called A Tour de Farce. Tell us what your new book is all about. Yeah, it's about the Three Stooges on the road. Now, most people probably, if you're not a Stooges fan, you don't know that the Stooges went out on the road because you're only familiar with them from seeing them on TV. But the truth is they only spent about a month or two in front of the cameras making their their shorts. Um, they made about eight of them per year. Six months a year, four to six months a year, they were out on the road doing, doing their act live in front of uh, audiences, vaudeville houses, movie theaters, and wherever they could do their act. Uh, and ultimately, they were making more money doing their shows on the road than they were making from their film contract at Columbia. So uh, no one really ever documented these tours before. And um, I'd say about 20 years ago, I was standing in line behind someone who had a, uh, a Rolling Stones Steel Wheels tour shirt on. It was documenting their Steel Wheels tour. And it said Memphis, you know, June 19th, Chattanooga, June 20th. And I thought, wow, it's really great. They have every stop documented. Wouldn't that be great if we had something like that for the Stooges? So in earnest, just for fun, I started keeping track of dates that I had, various playbills and programs and information on the back of photographs. I would make notes as to when they started appearing at a certain venue, when it ended. And I got access to newspapers and things like that. I got uh, information from fans, and I started to print. Uh, putting together an Excel spreadsheet with all the appearances I could come up with. I started out with zero. Well, after five or ten years, I had hundreds of appearances listed. And then all of a sudden, newspapers became available online in the uh, early 2000s, 2010, and I was really able to get a lot of information, really snowballed. So, G- Gary, I um, hate to cut you off as I thought I might. Yeah, no uh, so let's leave it there, and, we'll, and when we come back from this break, you'll tell us more about your book, A Tour de Farce. We're talking to Gary Lassen, president of the Three Stooges Fan Club. More with him after this break. Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard reports to Dr. Gray's office. Hello, Captain. You sent for us? Yes. How'd you find that patient in 66? Under the bed. How'd you find the patient in 72? Up on a chandelier. What'd you do for him? Nothing. What'd you ever do for us? Oh, I love that clip. That is from the Three Stooges short film Men in Black, which, believe it or not, was nominated for an Oscar. And we're playing all this Three Stooges stuff because that is our topic this hour. Our guest is Gary Lassen, who wrote a new book about the Three Stooges called A Tour de Farce. And before I go back to you, Gary, uh, I, I want to read uh, a quick email I got from a friend of mine named Steve Christian, who's a big Three Stooges fan in the Chicago area. And he wrote... While on commercial break, I just ordered the book. So we're, we're, we're making a difference here, Gary. 
there's going to be a second printing now, Jim. Yeah, right. <laughs> so when I, I when I had to interrupt you, and I hated doing that, uh, you were telling us how you went about writing this book. So c- can you uh, pick up where you left off about writing the book? Yeah, well, basically, uh, just like that Rolling Stones T-shirt that left no stones unlisted, for this book, I left no stones unturned. I did everything I could to come up with information for this book. You know, I solicited information from fans. I went to libraries. I, I solicited information from local historical societies. Uh, I posted information on Facebook pages. I went used Ask a Librarian features. I, I, I did anything I could to get information. Uh, and I learned a lot as I went, um, different research techniques that were helpful. Like I found if I searched for the number three stooges instead of the word three, I got different results. And uh, if, I mis- if I spelled Larry Fine, F-I-N-E, I got certain re- results. But if I misspelled his name, F-E-I-N, I got some more results, too, because people sometimes misspelled his name. So I got uh, good at researching. Uh, I got good at putting two and two together. I found a photograph where they were wearing a certain a certain outfits, and I knew the date that it was taken. And I would see another photograph where they were wearing the exact same outfits, and I knew that it was taken on the same day. And things like that helped me you know, piece this thing together almost like a, like a crossword puzzle. Uh, after 20 years of just doing this for fun, I realized I had enough information for a book. I had all kinds of photos that I had accumulated at the museum that could illustrate it. I had all the information in the spreadsheet. All I had to do, which I thought would be easy, was just you know write it out and put it in a book. Uh, what I thought would be easy actually took about five years, and uh, was finally completed last March. And uh, I am so glad I did it because I can't, there's so much in there I can't remember everything without sure. looking it up in my book. Truth. Sure. Well, I love it. Uh, your associate sent it to me. And I love the great detail, and I love the pictures. Oh my goodness, you have fabulous pictures of the Stooges at a at a baseball game, or at an amusement park, or wherever, uh, or or the great story which we won't get into about how Larry Fine uh, had the state police uh, escort him to a baseball game. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But I, I have to ask this question so listeners can know where and how can people buy this book. Uh, they can go to the uh, website for the book, which is www.tourdeforce.net, T-O-U-R-D-E-F-A-R-C-E, Tour de Farce, www.tourdeforce.net. All the information on ordering is there, and the um, book costs forty nine ninety five. It includes free shipping, and um, I think you'll find it well worth it. Regarding the photos, you mentioned how many great photos are in there. Uh, there's uh, 50 to 100 books on the market about the Stooges, but just about all of them contain uh, Columbia Photos publicity shots, which are stills from the various films that they made. And all the books are just littered with those photos over and over, the same photos over and over and over. Uh, The great thing about my book is that I've got candid shots and shots of them taking out on the road, mingling with fans and with all kinds of celebrities uh, that were taken at train station, just random casual meetings. Uh, many of which have never, ever appeared in print before. And I think that's what really makes uh, this book special, is the the images that no one's ever seen before uh, and the candid nature of the films, just showing the students out, you know, in real life about just clowning around with people. Uh, With all your research, what can you tell us about the Three Stooges in their touring years coming to North Dakota and Minnesota? Uh, I wish there was a lot I could tell you, <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, I could only come up with one real uh, visit to your area there, which was to the uh, Moorhead 
armory in uh, well, 1951. Right. That's, yes, I'm sorry. That's it. But but there were two in North Dakota, right? The the Bismarck Auditorium and Grand Forks Central High School. Yeah, in correct? 1951, they they uh, truthfully the only reason they made this tour is they were sort of down on their luck. Uh, in the early 1950s, uh, theaters sort of stopped showing short subjects. The market for short subject films really dried up, and uh, the need for the Stooges to appear in person sort of dried up, too. And since they couldn't get bookings in the major cities where they had typically performed in the population centers on the East Coast, they started looking to other less populated areas to go. Uh, and they came out that way in 1951, and they stopped uh, at the Bismarck Auditorium and uh, Central High School in Grand Forks, where they encountered a pretty bad snowstorm there, of course. Uh, it was March of 51, and uh, sure enough, they encountered bad weather. Go mm. figure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they made a one-day trip up to Winnipeg, and then they came down to Moorhead for uh, one day, March 10th, where they did two shows. They did one in the afternoon and uh, and one in the evening that day. Which, which is right here in our backyard. Who knew that the Moorhead Armory hosted the Three Stooges? That's pretty cool. <laughs> and, of course, they, they, they did make several trips to the Twin Cities area. Yeah, Minneapolis, they, they ventured to uh, several times. But uh, you, that neck of the woods where you are, uh, it was just uh, unfortunately just that one visit. I want to switch gears and just talk about the Stooges, the business side of it. As I understand it, the Stooges were really taken advantage of by Columbia Pictures. First with their contract negotiations and later when their short films appeared on television with their lack of payment for the residuals. Is that true? Were they taken advantage of financially? No. They were not. The short, the short answer is no. Well, look, all all artists were taken advantage uh, by the studio system to some degree, uh, but much much of what we feel is taken advantage of comes from Mo Howard's book, where he complained. Right, and about, that's why I read. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. No. No worries. Um, you know, fans are upset because he said that the Stooges made twenty thousand dollars a year, and they over for twenty four years they never got a raise. Um, truthfully, they did get some small raises, uh, but what happened was over the years, the films that originally took five days to make uh, would later take four days to make, and then three days to make, and then two days to make. So what wound up happening was uh, they were making the same amount of money, but working half as much as they had worked. So essentially, they were they, they did get a raise. Uh, the other thing was they were allowed to go out on their own and make money on their personal appearance tours, like I mentioned earlier. And uh, by the end of their careers, like I said before, they were making more money from the personal appearance tours uh, than they were making from the film contract. Now, as far as the residuals, uh, that had nothing to do with the Stooges. That was not particular to the Stooges. That was all actors, all actors. There was a decision made in 1960 when the actors went on strike uh, to settle the strike. Um, the studios put money into, uh, they were requesting to get rid residuals on uh, films that were made before 1960, and uh, they didn't get them. So what happened was the, the uh, residuals were only paid on films made after 1960. All the Stooges, the bulk of the Stooges' work was made before 1960, so the Stooges did not get residuals. And it wasn't just the Stooges, it was anybody who made films before 1960. It was not just the Stooges. Okay. Is it fair to say that television revived the Three Stooges? I mean, they had stopped making short films in the late 50s. Joe Besser, known as Joe, leaves the group. Looks like they're all done. But then their old short films are shown on television. They become very popular again. They bring in Joe Dorita to play Curly Joe. They make feature-length movies, go on shows like The Ed Sullivan Show, go on tour again. So did 
television showing those old films, did that revive their career? A hundred percent, absolutely. The act was dead. The phone stopped ringing. The phone totally stopped ringing. There was no call for their services at all. Uh, and they pretty much were going to just go into retirement uh, when Columbia decided they were going to release some of these films to television. And uh, remember, they have never been on television before. It's hard to picture an era when these films <laughs> weren't on television. Right. But back in the day, they weren't. You could only see them uh, in a movie theater. Right. And uh, once they left the theater after they were played for a week, you never saw that film again. There was no video market. There was no on TV. There was no way to see that film again. So it was a totally different landscape. The entertainment landscape was way totally different back then. So showing them on television, and we're going to take a short break coming up here, but showing them on television kind of brought in a new generation of Three Stooges fans. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The baby boomers were really ripe for something funny after school. And uh, when we came home, there were only three channels on TV at that time. And one of the three channels had the Stooges on. So It, it did for me. Major Mud in the Boston area. Every day I watch Major Mud and the Three Stooges. Gary, we got to take our last break here, so uh, hang with us. We'll be back to wrap it up with Gary Lassen, president of the Three Stooges Fan Club, right after this. Mr. Howard, kindly tell the court what you know about the murder of Kirk Robin. Well, it was like this, Mr. Court. Address the judge as your honor. Well, it was like this, my honor. Your honor, not my honor. Why? Don't you like him? The great Curly Howard bringing us back to our final segment on the Three Stooges here on Afternoons Live on the Mighty 790 KFGO. That is from Disorder in the Court. I highly recommend you watch that short film. You will laugh continuously through it. Our guest is Gary Lassen, who is the president of the Three Stooges Fan Club and has written a book about their touring years called A Tour de Farce. Gary, I'm, I'm sorry to say we only have a few minutes left with you, but uh, I'm kind of envious of your life. So I'm just wondering, <laughs> well, because you're... Well, you're, you're like, like getting poked in the eyes all the time? <laughs> no, but your your career is devoted to the Three Stooges. Is is it fun to have a career that's all about the Three Stooges? Certainly. <laughs> um, I, I try to to take it seriously as best I can. I, I try to feel like uh, I want to be an educator and I want to uh, educate kids and then and let them learn about the three students because it's tough these days. Now, like I said, there were three three channels when we were growing up and now there's 300 channels. So, you know, if, if a kid is, try, is uh, surfing the, the uh, television, it's hard to find the students anymore. You put out four issues of the Three Stooges Journal every year. And seeing how all the Stooges are long gone, how do you keep coming up with fresh material? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. They're not putting out any new stuff, and they're not going on tour. And uh, But um, I've got a great staff of research uh, people who are into it just like me. And um, uh, each one of them sort of is interested in a specialized area that they've carved out. And they are able to come up with all kinds of new tidbits that no one ever knew before done a lot of research into the supporting players that work with the Stooges. We've done research into the filming locations. Uh, we've gone uh, done a lot of research into uh, variations in the scripts, changes in the scripts that were made, and things like that. And I've done all my research into the um, personal appearances. Uh, so we're constantly turning up new stuff, and um, hopefully that'll continue into the future. We, we have a great thirst for knowledge about the Stooges, and even though there have been a lot of books and things written about them, there's always new stuff to learn. 
Now, now that the Stooges are very popular, is your wife a little prouder now to say that she's related to Larry of the Three Stooges <laughs> as opposed to when you first met her? Uh, I get not exactly. Chad, truthfully, she was so afraid of her uncle Larry when he came to visit that they they would have to tell her that Uncle Max was coming because when they told her Uncle Larry was coming, she would get all upset because he got his hair pulled and slapped and. They, you know, they hurt each other, and she she was a little girl. She didn't like that, so they would have to tell her it was Uncle Max was coming to visit when uh, he came to town. All right, but now that Uncle Max or Larry is gone, <laughs> is it any better, or uh, is she still a little traumatized by all that? Um, I think she's still a little traumatized, but as as with age, she's getting a little more mellow. Okay, good. Now, I realize this is like asking someone to name their favorite child, but do you have a favorite Three Stooges short film? Well, as a kid, it was always Punch Drunks. Um, and that's the one where, you know, Curly Wherever he hears Pop Goes the Weasel, he just turned into Superman. I just thought that was great, that, that a human being could just have superpowers just by hearing a, a tune. <laughs> okay. And then when I, I watch it as an adult, it's still, still pretty good. It's still pretty funny. It's it's still good. Okay, see, I had some others listed, like uh, some of the ones we heard clips from. Men in Black, Disorder in the uh-huh. Court, Uncivil Warriors, Hoi Polloi. Um, they're, they're all just so so classic. And I, and I encourage people to watch them. Because they still hold today. That's the that's the crazy thing about the Stooges. That they, they don't feel dated. They still work. At any rate, mm-hmm. Gary... Um, we are out of time. This has been a real pleasure. Uh, it's so fun talking about the Stooges. Congrats on your book. It is fascinating. Uh, any last words in, any fi- last words in, the, in 10 seconds to say about the Stooges? No, just thanks so much for having me. And uh, the only thing I like to remind people is, in Stooge, we trust. Awesome. I certainly thank you, Gary. All the best to you. We're going to take a break now. When we're back, the phone lines are wide open, folks. Talk to you in a little bit. 